Good morning to each and every one of you. It's a joy to be here and to be worshiping with you. So what if it's rainy and dreary outside and we're almost at winter already, believe it or not. Um, it's a privilege to be here and worshiping with you. So this morning, I want to look at uh, Genesis uh, 39 through 41, and you can turn there a while if you want. Um, I will have entitled this message, Becoming Fruitful Through Affliction. And I want to look at the character of Joseph. And um, I want to, I want to, if, if we're going to think of a theme this morning, it would be being fruitful through affliction. And I'll, we'll go into that a little later um, on here, why I chose that title, Fruitful Through uh, Affliction. And I want to f- mostly focus this morning on Joseph's response to affliction. There is many times throughout these um, chapters here in Genesis where Joseph responded in an amazing way to affliction. And, and I don't know of anybody more fitting for this title than Joseph. Fruitful through affliction. Um, it is one of the most remarkable stories in the Bible. It, a character in the Bible who um, is somebody that I would, I would enjoy meeting and, and talking to and asking him things about his life and the response that he had to so many um, wrong things that happened to him. And he's a character like none other. Uh, the ability to forgive is almost unhuman. Uh, the ability to forgive when harm was done to him for no reason, and yet he, when he did right. <clears throat> and we see that it was only through God uh, that he could do that. One quarter of the book of Genesis is made up of the account of Joseph's life, yet there is no sin, failure, or mistake that is featured or recorded. Isn't that amazing? There's uh, somebody once said, there is not one in scripture more like Jesus Christ in his person and experiences than Joseph. And I think of Joseph's traits, um, character traits. First of all, faith, thinking of of faith. And secondly, forgiveness, as I mentioned already. Forgiveness, It um, it takes Christ within us to be able to forgive, especially the wrongs that was um, committed by Joseph. And I had a little, um, just yesterday, a little aspect of forgiveness for myself. I was, uh, yeah, found out that, that my neighbors, make sure my neighbors aren't here, but <laughs> my neighbors came and drove my woods out yesterday and shot a buck. So I, uh, yeah, had to think about forgiveness there a little. And uh, yeah. Not a huge deal. Thinking about Joseph, what he had to forgive, what he had to, um, how he forgave. Think about his brothers sold him into slavery. His very own family, his brothers sold him into slavery. And years and years of, of uh, being away from his family, his father and his mother, and two years of being in prison in a dark dungeon prison in Egypt. 
And yet Joseph continued to forgive. And just thinking of perseverance, integrity, so many things. Um, So the first point that I have this morning is fruitful through rejection. And that truly defines Joseph's story. Thinking about his background um, before these verses, uh, before this chapter in chapter 39, um, Joseph was a young man at about 16 years of age. He had a dream, and we all know the story. Um, His dream was he, uh, in his dream, there's all his brothers surrounded him, sheaths of stalks of corn or whatever it was. All those stalks bowed down to him. He was in the middle, and everybody was around him, and they all bowed down to him. And how would, I was just, just thinking about that, his brothers, how would you respond to that if your little brother, I actually have a little brother, Joseph. If he came to me and said, told me this dream, not sure how, what I would think of it either. <laughs> but Joseph, I believe, as a young man, he was just, you know, he was telling what's on his mind. This is his dream that he had, and he can't help that he had this dream, and he's just telling them this dream that he had. And we see his family did not respond in a very good way at all. Even his father and his mother, or his father mentioned something about, what's, what's this? You know, me and your mother should be bowing down to the earth, to you. And he was a little taken back at, at why, you know, and maybe Joseph could have been a little bit more hush-hush about these dreams that he had. But he was just, you know, expressing himself, getting it off his mind. And we see, we will find out later in his life that um, when he told his brothers about this dream, I believe it was more powerful um, because he told this dream to them later in life. When they actually did bow down to him, they would think back and remember that, that, well, that's right, he, he had this dream, and we are essentially bowing and pleading to him for food. Um, that's later on in the, in the uh, um, story of Genesis there. Um, but we see his brothers were so angry they wanted to kill him and if it wasn't for i believe it was uh benjamin and was it simeon or judah um if it wasn't for those two brothers they probably would have killed him but there again god's providence in sparing his life they threw him into a pit and we see uh what happened and he was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery and we find in chapter Genesis 39 that Potiphar bought Joseph and Potiphar was an officer of Pharaoh the king and we see right there again it was God's plan in in working um, in the life of Joseph Genesis chapter 39 verse 2 let's read that at this time and the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian that is That verse is so inspiring. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. Um, Just just think of the the setting here. Here Joseph was with with Potiphar, and Potiphar was a very wealthy man. He was very powerful. He was basically second in command to Egypt, and Egypt was a major power on the earth at this time, probably one one of the biggest. And here, here Joseph is, right, with Potiphar. And um, 
Potiphar lived an elaborate life. I mean, they they fine dining and um, food served on gold on uh, golden tableware and lighted golden candlesticks, and you know it was just an elaborate light lifestyle that he lived. And yet, the Bible says Joseph was prosperous. And as I thought about that, you know, you know, here here he was. He came from a pit, basically. His family rejected him. His clothes were ripped and torn. And he was sold into slavery. And now he's living with an extremely wealthy, prosperous man. And yet the Bible says Joseph was a prosperous man. And God was with him. And it says many times in the book of Genesis, the next few chapters, that he was prosperous. When he was a slave, he was prosperous. When he was a keeper of the prison, he was prosperous. When he was a leader of Egypt, he was prosperous. In just so many ways that... um, God blessed him and made him prosperous. Now, what does prosperous mean to you? What do you think this means when it says he was a prosperous man? Is it wealth and riches? Is it uh, lands and houses? Um, Or is it having a faith that unwavers, rich in grace and having God's favor on your life? And God's seen Joseph's response. He's seen it. He's seen his heart. And as I think of Joseph and his response over and over and over again to pain and suffering, his response was, it's not about me, it's about God. And that is so, that blessed me tremendously to to study into Joseph again here. And, you know, he was wrongfully treated for doing right. How many of us have been wrong? None of us here, I don't think, went to prison for two years for doing, doing what was right. And it, it's just incredible to see. He never blamed others. He never blamed God, never blamed others for um, his condition. And in verses 3 to 6, And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house. And all that he had, he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. So thinking of Potiphar here, he basically entrusted everything he had into Joseph's hand. And his his family, his wife, his children, he basically entrusted it into Joseph. Joseph was trustworthy. He could trust Joseph because he's seen um, his life proved it. And just to... You know, it's pretty obvious that Joseph was, um, could be trusted. And the Bible says he was very prosperous. Secondly, fruitful through false accusation. And we find that in the next few verses here. And for the sake of time, I'm not even going to read over it. But we know the story of um, this evil woman, Potiphar's wife. And she calls Joseph so much pain and suffering. To basically because of her, he went to prison for two years. And, you know, she could see how Joseph, it says in, in, in the next verse, in verse 6, and Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. I don't know what her reasoning was, 
or why she um, uh, falsely accused Joseph or what the main reason was. But basically, Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. Translated, um, he was handsome. And I don't know um, if she was just jealous or, or what the reasoning is, but um, she um, got this evil strategy and accused him of attempted adultery. And Joseph, we know the story, how he, um, his integrity and character again proved that he was a God-fearing man. And what did he do? He ran. He ran away from that situation. But she, Potiphar's wife, lied about it and got her way. And Joseph went to jail. And in verse 19, I'm going to read verses 19 to 23. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph, and showed him mercy, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. There again, the Lord made it to prosper. And um, once again, God's favor was on Joseph. <clears throat> and it was almost as if, why was Joseph even here? He was, the, he was supposed to be in prison, but and yet he was the keeper of the prison. He was the keeper of the, all the prisoners that were there. It was almost as if, why is he even here? What reason is he even here for? Um, but the Lord was with him, and there again, God's hand was um, very evident on, on, on Joseph. And then we go right in, moving into verse, into chapter 40. We see um, the story of the butler and the baker. We all know that story, um, how they both had a dream. And they dreamed, um, both of them dreamed basically the same dream. The details are a little different. And Joseph was here. Um, well, let me just back up. The king, um, they did, the baker and the butler did something that, offended the king. And we're not sure exactly what happened. Maybe it was a plot against the king. I'm not sure. He put them two into the prison, and that's when he met Joseph. And while he was there, they had this dream. And they explained this dream to Joseph and um, in detail, great detail, told them exactly what dream they had. And Joseph told them what's going to happen. He said, basically, the butler is going to be restored back to his Butler ship again, and the baker is going to be hanged. And that very same thing happened. And, and uh, so what I want to look at in, in verse 8 is Joseph's response to, um, to, to, to when they asked, uh, they said, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. And so here again, he gave the credit to God. Do not interpretations belong to God? It's God that is able to interpret dreams. It's not me. It's nothing that I can do. It comes through God. But we all know the story. He told the, 
Um, he told them what's going to happen, and sure enough, it came to pass. And then I just want to skip over to the, the last, uh, it goes to show um, in, verse, in chapter 40, what happened. They were, uh, the butler was restored, the baker was, was killed, and um, verse 20, and well, before I, before I get to 23, Joseph told the butler, um, when you go back into the king, when, when you get restored back into the, because he knew he was going to, he, he, his interpretation of the dream was, the butler is going to be restored, you're going to be a butler again. He told, the, he told the butler to tell the king, when, when, I, when you get back there, remind Pharaoh of me. Just remember me and that I'm here, that I'm not really here because I did anything wrong. I was put into this prison um, and I didn't do anything wrong. And he said, just remember, remember me. Tell Pharaoh about it and just, just mention me, which most of us would, would do the same thing. We were sitting in there for two years. We, we, got, we went out of here. We, did, we're not, we didn't do anything wrong. And the verse, verse 23 says, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph but forgot him. And that is he, it's just, it's just amazing to me. He forgot him for those two years' time, laying down at night to sleep. He remembered the time he had with Joseph. Those dreams were were, um, I mean, that was an amazing thing, to tell him exactly what the dream was, and then it came to pass, and he forgot him. How could he forget Joseph for the, that whole time? But you know, God had a plan in this, and we'll get into that. God had a plan um, for, for Joseph through this, and I believe God, there was a reason that God allowed him to forget. So, brings us to the third point fruitful through being forgotten and um, verse 41 it says and it came to pass at the end of two full years this was for when joseph was thrown into prison two full years later that pharaoh dreamed a dream so you know joseph here i, I can't I'm, i can't imagine he's he's probably thinking um you know, when he told the butler, go up there and tell Pharaoh that I'm here for no reason, he's probably thinking, I'm going to soon be getting out of here, probably in an hour. I can imagine him telling all the other prisoners that, yep, pretty much in an hour from now or whenever, I'm going to be out of here. And an hour passed, hours passed, and then a whole day passed. And he's thinking, well, what's, yeah, I mean, basically, I should be getting out of here now, I think. Probably the next day, they'll have they'll come down, have a trial, and I can get tried, and I can get out of here. Well, a day passed, and then a week passed, and soon, you know, he's thinking, well, I don't, yeah, how could have I got forgotten already? And months passed, and then a whole year passed, and you know, Joseph was probably was probably um, losing hope. I mean, I can. I, can, I can't imagine what he's thinking this whole time. Is this, and then two years later, Pharaoh had a dream. And Pharaoh, when he had, after he had this dream, he rounded up all his magicians, all his wise men, every, every top official, I believe, in the, in the kingdom of Egypt, because he surrounded himself with all the, all the best, I'm sure. As the leader of, of Egypt, he was surrounded by good um, officials and people that, that uh, can, could run a nation. 
So he rounded all these people up, and nobody could, could tell them this dream. Nobody. And I, I, can, I can imagine this butler right there. He was there when they were, had this meeting, and, Joseph, and, uh, and uh, Pharaoh's trying to, trying to figure out what this dream means. And the butler, just like that, he remembered. Two years later, he thought of it. You know what? That's right. There was a young Hebrew boy back in the prison, and he told us a dream. I dreamed a dream, and the baker, remember the baker that you killed? We both had a dream, and this young Hebrew guy, he told us the meaning of that dream, and it came to pass. I can't believe I didn't remember that. And that was two years later. He's thinking, remembering back that this dream that he had came to it came it came uh, true and and he's thinking you know and, and so and so pharaoh pharaoh hears this well I, by all means get him here we need him here now and it says they rushed it says um in verse of uh, not sure which which verse it is but they they rushed him there they said they, they cleaned him up and shaved shaved him and and uh, brought him, and they brought him. He, they brought him in, and we know the story of this dream. It was a very bizarre dream that he told um, Joseph that he had. It was seven cows, um, seven thin, skinny cows came out, came up out of the river bank, and ate the the uh, seven fat cows. And after they ate them, they weren't even didn't even look different than what they were before. And there was seven ears ears of corn. Uh, seven year of uh, stalks of corn, thin co- stalks that devoured all the good stalks of corn, and it was just a very bizarre dream. And I want to look in uh, in verse 16, Joseph's response. It, this is this is just one of the amazing verses in this chapter. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, "It is not me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace." Joseph here, he could have, he could have uh, made a name for himself at this time. He, was, he, could, he could interpret dreams. And he basically said, it's not me. You know, I, it's just, it's amazing to me. Um, you know, Joseph could have said, you know, I'll interpret this dream, but just I want to get out of the prison. You know, I, I'll tell you the dream, and I'll give you the interpretation, but please just do me a favor and get me out of prison. He didn't say that. His response was, it's not me, it's God. And, you know, he could have, there's so many other things that he could have said in, this, in his response to Pharaoh. You know, he could, it was an opportunity to make himself shine, to make himself look good, but he did not. And, you know, an hour ago, he was sitting in a dark, I don't know if it was an hour or if it was a few hours, he was sitting in a dark prison. And, and you know, he's probably thinking that he's going to interpret this dream and then he's going to go back to jail. I don't think he had the expectation of being released and being promoted um, in this way. Um, but he gives God the glory. And this is the beginning of just an unbelievable promotion for Joseph from the pit to the palace and it was all in God's hands um, he could have he could have blamed God the whole way through you know here I did the right thing the whole way through and look what has become of of me you know sitting in jail and um, 
But it was basically 15 years had passed now from when Joseph um, came to Egypt, or came, um, yeah, when he came to Egypt. And in verse 40, or uh, sorry, chapter 40, um, I want to look at verses uh, 25. Okay, Pharaoh had just told him the dream, and he, um, uh, and then verse 25, and Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good years are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land, and the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. And... You know, Joseph says here that God, that Pharaoh, uh, where does it say? God has showed Pharaoh. God has showed Pharaoh. And I don't think there again, I don't think he was thinking, promoting himself when he mentioned here this here. Um, I don't think he was at all thinking about himself coming to be, to, to be the one, to be the leader. Um, and then I want to read uh, chapter or verses 33 to 36. And this is, this is Joseph's response. This is the heart of the message right here. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years and let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities and that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land perish not through the famine. So Joseph here applied knowledge to wisdom. Joseph applied knowledge to wisdom and you know he was basically looking out for um, the people of Egypt and he could have said you know, he could have told told Pharaoh what the what the dream the, what the dream meant, and then just now he's now he's going back to jail. But he took the knowledge that he had, his experience through the years of leadership, and just the experience of, of his experiences. He took that knowledge and applied it to wisdom, and said what needs to be done. And I don't just imagine um, him saying, "Take twenty percent." Because it says the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. So basically set aside that 20% and store it up for seven years. How did he know what 20% that it needs to be 20%? You know, he took the amount of people in Egypt and figured that's got to be that 20%. Just, just like that, his response, 20%. And, you know, Joseph was um, taking that, that knowledge that he had and applying it to wisdom and um, you know, he said here, it's going to be bad. And we know that it's going to be bad because later on it mentions people 
bringing their animals to Egypt, selling their animals for bread. It was, it was that bad of a famine. And then when their animals were all sold and their bread was gone, they actually sold themselves and their land. They sold themselves and their land for bread. It was so bad. And Joseph um, predicted all of this. And so here when he said, he says, let Pharaoh, um, let Pharaoh uh, set up a man. So he wasn't thinking of himself. He says, you know, he's putting it on Pharaoh. You got to do this. And, and Pharaoh, um, there was an, an aspect of, you know, Pharaoh had to um, submit to the messenger of God. You know, he was, Joseph was God's messenger. So I do, I do give, give, give credit to Pharaoh here because he basically had to submit to the messenger of God. This, is this what you're going to do? Or he could have said, you know, me and my, my guys here, we can take care of it. We don't, we don't need that. You know, thanks for the interpretation, um, but we can take care of it. Or was he going to submit to what Joseph and to, to what God was telling him through Joseph? So we've got to keep moving on here, but just thinking about uh, knowledge and wisdom, the difference is, is a quote that I came across here, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. So just uh, something I came across, it's kind of true. Um, you know, knowledge, there's so much knowledge on the internet today, so much knowledge in our world today, and um, people, many people going for extra schooling, that's a good thing. Going to college, learning, um, gaining knowledge, it's an excellent thing, but so many people don't apply that to wisdom and use that knowledge for the good. And in fact, another quote I came across here, that wisdom takes effort, trial, air, pain, blood, sweat, and tears. And I believe there's some truth to that. It doesn't happen overnight. And I see Joseph, he took the years of his leadership, of his training, and, and his failures, and he said, this is what needs to be done. It, it's going to happen. There's going to be a bad, a bad seven years coming, and we need to be looking ahead. And um, this is what needs to be done. And, and then we see in the next few verses there, it tells of his promotion. Um, just from an hour or two, three hours ago, being in the jail to being promoted as the second in command to Egypt, basically overtaking Potiphar's, basically taking over Potiphar's uh, uh, position. Just so incredible. And so, you know, we think about God making a way. And I want to sing that song at the end, Lee, if, he's, if you're here. Um, looks like he's the one that walked off now. But anyway, oh, there he is. God will make a way. If you uh, can sing that song, it's verse uh, 116, number 116 in the Songs of Faith and Praise. At the end, we can sing that song. But as we think about God making a way, when you think there's no way, God will make a way. And it's only by um, his divine providence. And one other thing I want to I wanna, uh, point out here. When, when Joseph told the butler back two years ago when they were in prison, and Joseph said, told that butler, go and remember me. Um, when you get back there, please mention my name. 
when you go back to Potiphar, what would have Pharaoh said right then if he would have told him right then? Hey, remember, you remember this guy, uh, Joseph, remember him? He's in there for not, doing, for not doing anything wrong. What would have Pharaoh said? Pharaoh would have said probably, are you kidding me? That's the man that um, tried to have a relationship with Potiphar's wife. That's the man. Of course not. You should probably be arrested just for mentioning his name. You know, that was back two years ago. That was just after this all thing uh, happened. And if, if, he would have not, if he would have remembered that, Pharaoh, probably, I'm sure, would have said no. Of course not. But now, two years later, the dust, the dust settled, and um, we see Pharaoh calling Joseph back out of prison two years later. And, and that's just the way God works. You know, sometimes we have to um, wait two years. Sometimes we have to wait on his timing, and it's not always easy to do, but that's the way God works. And I see that um, God's love and his um, grace saturated in this story. Just incredible. And I can see Joseph um, waiting on the Lord, sitting in prison, just waiting on God. And he knew that there's a pl- God has a plan. Um, through these dreams, there's something going to happen. God has a plan just need to wait sometimes we just need to wait and it's about God's timing in verse 38 um, when Pharaoh mentioned uh, or uh, let's read th- verse 37 and the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants and Pharaoh said unto his servants can we find such a one as this a man in whom the spirit of God is and we just think about the setting here Pharaoh or uh, Joseph was a young Hebrew slave. He had just came from prison. He was, and now he was sitting in the front of in front of Pharaoh and all his wise men, all his magicians, all his top leaders that he um, that he surrounded himself with. And yet, it says he seen the spirit of God in Joseph. He seen Joseph had the spirit of God. He said that that is someone who has the spirit of God, um, you know, and he's sitting around all these people, and yet he notices Joseph. That's somebody who has the spirit of God. And I just, you know, as, he's, as Pharaoh's mentioning this, and he tells him his promotion, you're going to be second in command, just next below me, and you're going to be ruler over all the, all the land of Egypt, and you're going to have to get all this together and be a manager. I can almost see the shock in Joseph's eyes as he told him that. It's like, I had never expected that, but whatever. And so that was the way God works. It's the way God works. It's not, um, he will make a way. He will make a way. And moving on in the next, uh, I want to just look at uh, verses 47 and 49. It just speaks of the tremendous plenty that was, was in the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities, the food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. It was just a blowout harvest. But what we need to... Um, think here is 
there had to be an organization. Somebody had to plant the seed. Somebody had to cultivate the seed. Somebody had to harvest the seed. It all had to take place. There was a tremendous harvest. But somebody, there was organization there that needed to take place. And we see Joseph, every city he laid up the same. See, the, take notice of that. You know, he came from a, a family that there was favoritism. You know, his, his father loved him more, the Bible says. He favored him more. And yet, when it came to his, um, his, organ, his uh, leadership and organization here, he, it says he laid up the same in every city. He didn't say, okay, this is my city. I want to have double the amount of this city over here. No. He spread it all out. It was a level playing field. And just something that, uh, that uh, stuck out to me here. In conclusion, looks like time's getting away. Chapter, uh, this is the key verse right here. Chapter 41, verse 52 says this. And the name of the second he called Ephraim. Speaking of his son, his second son Ephraim. The last part of the verse. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. That's a key verse that we need to remember. That's the, that's the takeaway verse. That's the takeaway that I want us to remember this morning. You know, God caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. He gives God, again, gives God the credit for him being fruitful in the land of his affliction. And if for somebody that went through a lot of affliction in life, it was Joseph. And, you know, he could have gotten bitter. He had every reason to be bitter for the, his events that took place in his life, his, his whole life. Every reason to be bitter. But he did not. And he, instead, he chose forgiveness. He chose humility. And it is such a powerful story um, for each one of us. And I see a man who sees the needs of others, and he uses God's wisdom to provide and to bless others by, used by the wisdom that God has given him. God caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And the last few verses there, people came to Pharaoh. People came to Pharaoh, I need bread, I need bread bad. My family's starving People came to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh, what did Pharaoh do? He said, go over to Joseph. He's got it. Joseph is in charge of this. In fact, Pharaoh depended on Joseph at this time. Joseph had it all figured out. And, you know, this morning, the takeaway that I want us to uh, remember this, or think about this morning is how can we turn affliction into fruit bearing? How can we do that? And as I think about the life of Joseph, Bitterness and anger was not in his vocabulary. As hard as it is to go through affliction, so many times we want to think of ourselves, and that's natural. We think of, why are we going through this? And yet, Joseph did not turn to bitterness and anger. And over and over again, he, 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 um, he said, it's not me, it's about God. And I'm here to say this morning, God will make a way, especially when there seems to be no way. And when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And so, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, so easy, as I said before, to focus on ourselves when affliction happens. And, and, and that's the natural thing to do. Um, but when we can turn that around for good and turn it um, 
the, the bad into something good, that's when fruit bearing, that's when fruit bearing happens. That's when fruit bearing begins. So there's so much more in the life of Joseph, um, our time is out, but you know, thinking about his meeting with his brothers, his brothers came and bowed down um, in front of him begging for food and he had all this food pr- planned, he was prepared and we, that's, a, that's another story for another day. But um, Joseph, I believe, he chose forgiveness from day one. He did not harbor that forgiveness throughout his life. Day one, when he was thrown in the pit, I mean, it may have taken some time for him to get over the fact that this, this is exactly what's happening, but I believe he chose forgiveness long ago, back on that day, and I believe he chose to um, not harbor that in his, in his life. So hopefully we can follow Joseph's example and somehow turn the bad into something good and we can bear fruit then for God's glory. So let's sing that song. Um, We'll have a prayer, and then, Lee, if you'll lead us in that song, God will make a way. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, we pause before you today again, just thanking you for the life of Joseph, and thank you for these Bible characters um, in Scripture that we can learn from, and we can see um, how they lived. And, Lord, it just... um, gives us uh, a renewed strength, um, renewed um, courage to go forward. We can read about those stories and how they were able to, to conquer and rise above um, the bad things, the affliction that happened in their lives, and they can turn it into something good. Lord, help us to do that um, as we experience um, affliction and things in our lives today. Help us to trust in you and to know that you will carry us through. Just be with us as we go from here. Lead God and direct us. In your name I pray, amen. Why don't we all stand?